We've got a mid-season breakdown of the first-round picks of the 2023 NHL Draft. We'll talk about their performances, how they're doing, keep you updated. All coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and on today's show, we'll be breaking down um, the first round picks of the 2023 NHL Draft, keep you updated, and give you a mid-season breakdown of how they're doing in their respective leagues. In our first segment, we'll talk about picks one through eight. Um, and then we'll go through 9 through 16 in our second segment and then end things up with a selection of the picks 17 through 32. We selected eight players from those uh, in order to break down and give you an update on how they're going. Before we get into any of that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics and that treats 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, wherever that is, whether that's Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this, make sure to make us your first listen of the day and leave us a review if you can. Uh, now let's get things started. We can obviously start at first overall. I think we all know how Connor Bedard's doing this season. Um, all, almost a point per game uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks right now, and probably their best player, right? Oh, by a large margin. There's yeah. no player on the Blackhawks that really comes close to Bedard's impact in my eyes. Like, yeah. I mean, when, when he's competing with the likes of Jason Dickinson, who is having a very good season this year. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, <laughs> the door is wide open for Chicago to have a a, a rookie as their best player, uh, to put yeah. it lightly. But he's been playing some excellent hockey, and of course, is injured with a fractured or broken jaw right now. And uh, we'll see how he is playing when he gets back. But it's not the type of injury that usually really changes the way that players play the game, and especially offensive players, how they produce. Yeah, and if I'm not wrong, it's an absence of, I think they said four to six weeks or three to four weeks, something like that. Yeah. But it shouldn't be long before he's back in action. Moving on to second, overall, the Anaheim Ducks selected Leo Carlson. Um, the midseason breakdown on him is pretty simple. He got injured, um, you know, pretty much halfway through the season. Um, he's been playing on and off, which is really good, actually, for his, his game because it's, it's kind of emulating what he would be facing in the SHL. And um, overall, I think it was on pace for uh, 45 to 50 games, something like that, which is slightly more than what he'd be playing in the SHL, uh, but not by a large enough margin that they're overloading him, which I think is really good for him. And um, a bit over half a point a game as well for him. I think it's 17 points in 27 games, something like that. Um, playing pretty good hockey for them. And yeah, I hope, hope he gets well soon as well. Um, he, he, yeah. He's healthy again. He's, he, oh, he's, he's healthy again. Activated. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's perfect. Uh, he'll be back in action playing some really good hockey again. Uh, moving on to third overall, Adam Fantilli. Um, great production for a draft was one player on a bad team. Over half a point a game. Um, and yeah, I mean, Columbus is back in the in the in the tanking situation again, and are probably going to be uh, picking in the top three, top four of the uh, of the 2024 NHL draft. Um, and yes, it's good that they're playing their young players and giving them good ice time. Adam Fantilli played, I think, a game or two on the fourth line um, about midway through the half the first half yeah. of the season. 
Um, but now he's he's back to playing regular minutes, and that's really really good for his game. Um, at fourth overall, Will Smith, uh, our first non-NHL player. Um, yeah. Talk me through his his transition to the NCAA, how that's going for him, and uh, you know what's his linemate situation. I don't think anything's changed on that side, right? Certainly made his transition a lot smoother to to Boston College. The, that that he was able to keep the same two wingers that he had in the NTDP yeah. at his side, and what what like that that trio was really like the best junior line last season by a long shot. And uh, they've been very good this year as well. And they were even playing together at the World Junior Championships. So uh, clearly, they're not getting quite sick of each other's company just yet, and they're yeah. still playing some good hockey together. But Will Smith is the creative force on that line still. And while I think that gave Perot is kind of like increased his 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 workload on that line over the last year where he's taking a bit more of that creative burden than he even really had last year in the NCAA in the NTDP uh which makes which, which means that Will Smith hasn't had to carry quite as big of a load in that department this season he's still been excellent like registering 27 points in what 19 games played with boston college this season which is like some really impressive production for freshmen so san jose sharks fans shouldn't be too worried with will smith he's uh continuing to project very very well and playing some excellent hockey yeah, absolutely. And a great second half to the World Juniors as well, where he scored some big goals and big moments. Uh, yeah, he, he's shown he has that factor in his sure. game, which is really good. Uh, when we got to fifth overall, the Montreal Canadiens selected David Reinbacher. Um, halfway through the season, one thing's very clear. He's on a bad team. Um, and it, it's it's honestly, it, it's it's I've tried to watch their hockey and, and try to enjoy it. It's impossible like it's it's a really difficult program in Cloten in the uh, Swiss National League he still has seven points in 21 games which is well below his production from last year but he's been their best player over the past three or four games he's been taking a lot of shots um, putting a lot of pucks on net activating a lot in the offensive zone and you know playing some good defensive hockey there were a couple of bad penalties he took in those three or four games recently but overall I think the move for Reinbacher next year is to come over to the AHL. And depending on how the Montreal Canadiens feel about Logan Mayu and Lane Hudson, he might have a top pair role in the in Laval, which would be really, really good for his game as well. Um, but then we go to six overall. We've got Dmitry Simishev, a uh, wild variation in his ice time over in the KHL right now. He's He can play anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes. Like It's, it's unpredictable. Um, he has seven points in 41 games. Nothing overwhelming, but a really good prospect for the Arizona Coyotes, a, a prospect who, you know, given the right development, given the right circumstances, can play regular 20-minute 20, 20 games in the in the KHL. Um, I think it's a matter of time before we see that, but I don't think it's wise to bring him over to North America before he sees that regular 20-minute ice time. Um, overall, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly I'm fairly impressed with Semyshev's game uh, in general, but I think it's seventh overall. Um, the player that a lot of a lot of fans are already calling a steal um, at seventh overall, and Matvey Michkov. Um, he's up Which to, he was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to be fair, he, he's a really, really good, really skillful player. He's got 29 points in 34 KHL games, which is really good, but bad team. Yeah, but it's 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 a very different KHL this year, right? It certainly is. Like we are seeing far more like young players producing at higher levels than in the past, and young players being given the reins of teams uh, to an extent that we haven't seen previously, because the overall quality is pretty consistently dropping in KHL hockey. Like if you yeah. look back six, seven years and what KHL hockey was then compared to what it is now, there's a very clear step down in terms of overall level. Like 
it wasn't long ago that the KHL was like quite clearly the second best league in the world. And that is now a three-way race with, uh, with the SHL and the AHL for sure. Like, like there is a lot of competition for that title. And uh, that said, I think that that Matt Bay-Mitchkov is still playing some excellent hockey. Like, yes, he's not a perfect player and he never will be. There's always going to be warts in Mitchkov's game because they are what allow him to be so game-breaking offensively is that there are some defensive sacrifices. And while those have certainly lessened in the last year, they're definitely still present in his game. And uh, that said, I do really like how he's been progressing as a playmaker this season, uh, whereas last year playing with Sochi, he was very much just like keeping the puck on a stick the entire game because like he couldn't pass to any line mate with any hope of them making anything with it. Yeah. Whereas this year there's clearly there's either or probably a combination of the two, but there's either uh, more trust in line mates and uh, also just in a more mature game where he knows that even when he doesn't trust a line mate, there are many moments in a game where getting the puck onto their stick gets the puck into a better position than where he has it in that moment. And he's learning that slowly. Uh, And the production is certainly indicative of that. But what are some of the doubts that you have in his game? Because I know you've watched a bit of him and maybe not been as enthusiastic as I have been so far this season. Yeah, it's just overall, there's a, there's a lack of translatability to his overall habits. Um, Beyond just the defensive issues, those will always be present. You're never going to get a net positive defensive player out of Michikov. But on the puck, um, sometimes he has some hat. Like, he won't really cut back um, on zone entries. And that's one thing I really want a player to do is cut back, you know, keep their head up, look at their options. Because that's a a situation you'll face a lot in the NHL. Obviously, he's very young. I'm not as, you know, sour on him as um as, as a lot of people are um and you know part of the reason why i slipped to seventh is that there are those those defensive but overall i think mishkov has a has a great opportunity in sochi to to, to apply his trade and at the same time i feel like there's a reason why ska is adamant on not playing him there are some deficiencies in this game that make him an overall nuisance if you're playing him in a bottom six uh or even on your second line he's at his best when he's on a top line with a player who can handle the defensive responsibilities and that's what he's getting in sochi and it's it's great for his game but yeah i do have my questions but moving on to number eight and our final player of the first segment the washington capitals selected ryan leonard at eighth overall he's got 22 points in 19 games 11 goals he's the goal scoring option on that line with with um with, with smith and, and perot um he's really leaning into that role on that boston college line and is doing a great job of it and he's another player who had a really good world juniors and showed what he can do when he's able when he's given the opportunity to drive play on that line um yeah, really, really good play from him and a great pick from Washington at eighth overall. Um, and that wraps things up for our first segment. Now we'll talk about picks nine through 16. Uh, a lot of really good option, options in there, players having really good or really bad seasons. We'll get into that after these messages from our sponsors over at Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of real life, but let's talk for a minute about preparing for real life and make sure you stay ahead of things. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That's obviously very scary. I can't imagine um, running out of antibiotics at a time like this. It's obviously something that's very terrifying. And supply chain issues... 
you can't really have much control on that. Not having control on your on your supply of medications can obviously be something that's stressful and nerve-wracking. Um, that's where Jace Medical comes in. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial infections, whether that's sinus infections, skin infections, UTIs, respiratory infections, especially with COVID resurging as of late. Add COVID a couple days ago, it was awful. Trust me, I could have uh, I could have used a, a Jace case. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. That'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispersed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular costs. It's never been more important that to be prepared than today. So visit jacemedical.com and use code locked on to get $20 off your first offer. Check it out. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we're talking about picks 9 through 16 of the 2023 NHL Draft, giving you a breakdown of how their seasons are going. We start off at ninth overall with Nate Danielson of the Detroit Red Wings, a pick I was really surprised by on draft day, because usually at ninth overall, um, you're still looking for that offensive upside. I don't see much out of Nate Danielson that gives me the impression that we have a top six player, and... Um, right now in, in his draft plus one season in the WHL is at exactly a point per game, which is a step down from his production from last year. Um, it's, it's not really good for a draft plus one player to be only a point per game in, in, in Canadian junior leagues, but he's still an elite defensive center. He's still the captain of his team, uh, in Brandon and overall just a leader on the ice, uh, through his play. He's a player you can really depend on. And I think that's what Detroit was looking for here in Danielson. And would he have slipped any further than this? Probably by three, four picks, maybe. But even then, I, I think, you know, given who they picked up at 17th overall, if you flip those two, I have no problem with this pick, right? I mean, it's 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 a good pick. But at 10th overall, we have Dalibor Dvorsky of the St. Louis Blues. Um, a good pick at 10. I like this one. 18 goals, 18 assists for 36 points in 23 games. He's really their power play sharpshooter and and um, a great option in, in in his league right there. But talk me through his World Juniors play because I feel like that was that was good but not great, right? Yeah, I think overall it's been a very solid D plus one season for Dvorsky. I think that the move to the OHL and to the Sudbury Wolves was a really really solid one. I mean, getting to play with the likes of Quentin Musty is uh, certainly helpful oh, yeah. for development and. Uh, Dvorsky's often been leaned on at, to be a creative outlet, even though it's not really been his 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 strength. He's more of a linear, two-way, strong defensive player and sniper. So getting to play with a guy like Quentin Musty is really allowing him to play his style of play, and it's translating to high-end production. I mean, he's up to 36 points and 18 goals in 23 games, right? And uh, at the World Juniors, I thought that he was playing some really solid two-way hockey. Like, he's always been decent at the World Juniors. He's always been a bit quiet at times. Uh, and and maybe not like the flashiest hockey in the world, but uh, I, I think that he's been playing some pretty solid games uh, so far this season from the ones that I've personally caught. And there's been a pretty clear progression from his from his uh, draft year. So I, I'd assume that Blues fans and the, at the Blues organization are pretty happy with how he's progressed so far. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to 11, we have Tom Villander uh, of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, a decent pickup, but one I was really still surprised with at 11th overall. Um, a bit, a bit high for my taste, uh, but overall, I, he's having a respectable start um, for for Boston University in the NCAA. He's got nine points in his in seventeen games played so far uh, in college, um, and really good for him. He's been paired with Lane Hudson recently. He's been playing decent minutes with uh, 
an elite offensive defenseman um, in Lane Hudson in that in that league. And yeah, overall, with with Valandri getting a really dependable, um, really aggressive defenseman who really loves to push the pace both offensively and defensively. He's in your face defensively. Um, he's always closing gaps early and using his skating really well. That's another thing that really stands out with Philander. As soon as you start watching him, he just explodes off his edges, which is something you really want in, in a, in a right-handed defenseman. And yeah, if you're going for a right-handed D at this stage, it was between him and the 17th pick in this draft, which we'll talk about later on. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with this one. Um, Daniil Boot at 12th overall to the Arizona Coyotes, a pick I was again surprised with, but he's been doing really good in the KHL, right? He has been. I, I think I, I've always been a bit of a bigger fan of him than, than you have. Uh, but no, he, he's up to 17 points in 39 KHL games, which is just about half a point a game. And he's been like a, a real goal scoring threat in the games that I've caught. I think I've, I've watched around two games of his this season and both games that I watched, he was really creating a lot offensively. He was using his his size to protect the puck. He was using his reach to really access different passing lanes. And while he's certainly far from a complete or refined player, that that's still a long, long road to go there before he is going to be a a well-rounded NHLer. That's that's probably a four or five year process if it happens. Yeah. Uh, but still he's adding things to his tool belt and I can see an overall toolkit starting to take shape, which really was not there last year and was probably the biggest argument against Daniel boot as an, as, as a high end NHL prospect was individual tools, but no, but no toolkit. Things are starting to come together a little bit. So we'll, we'll see how he keeps, how he keeps progressing, but the early returns here are, are, are a reason for some optimism for coyotes fans. Absolutely, for sure. And yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fairly impressed with this game, but at 13th overall, we have a player who should not our boy, <laughs> our boy, Zach Benson of the Buffalo Sabres. He's playing NHL minutes already, and he has 14 points in 34 games. At first glance, it doesn't look like much, but um, overall, you look at what, what Benson is doing in those games, and we're talking about one of the most impactful players on the Buffalo Sabres already at this age, um, translating extremely well to the NHL, right? For sure, he's been so good. Uh, I've I've really been enjoying watching Zach Benson. He's certainly playing his style of game, and I think that that's that's the important takeaway here. Not that he's under half a point a game. He's eighteen, like that. Like we saw Slavkovsky go at like a quarter point a game last season as an NHL rookie, and he went first overall. So I think uh, Zach Benson's production. He's already outproducing <laughs> Slavkovsky's rookie year, um, and and it's it's quite good. But he is really a very very high intensity forechecker. He's applying a lot of pressure. He's playing some really solid defensive hockey. He's creating space for his teammates. He's getting to dirty areas. He's doing all the things that you would want Zach Benson to do for you. And he's already doing it at, eight, at 18 years old. So I think Buffalo Sabres fans uh, know that they have a pretty special player in him and that a little bit of patience giving him a year or two to really like entrench himself as a consistent top six option at the NHL level is really going to pay dividends. 100% for sure. I'm a huge fan of this kid. Just every oh, yeah. single shift, he's bringing something. Uh, but at 14th overall, the Pittsburgh Penguins selected Braden Yeager. He's got 45 points in 30 games, which is really good. Um, he's he's taken a big offensive step up and with Moose Shaw and has become kind of one of their offensive leaders. Um, he played at the World Juniors, which wasn't the case for a lot of players in the same league. Um, and overall, I mean, you know, obviously playing with Jagger Furcus has his pluses, but 
I think that Jaeger has proven that um, his offensive game is a bit more versatile than we initially thought. Um, even though the defensive game, uh, the defensive side of his game still isn't polished, I think that it's it's good enough that he'll be able to make do at the NHL level. And yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with the addition here for for Pittsburgh, who barely missed the playoffs, and we're looking for some of that offensive um injection from a from one of their prospects i think that jaeger could eventually become that especially with a couple of years to develop his game and get even better at what he does but then at 15th overall matthew wood to the nashville predators i think this is a great pick from them here um the production hasn't been outlandish 14 points in 20 games but overall um matthew wood brings a really specific style of hockey that works really well i know you liken them a lot to tyler to and i see that um a really good goal scorer with not the best skating, but really good defensive impact just from being really smart, being well positioned and playing within structure really well. Right. Exactly. And, and while it's been a bit slower this, this season so far from production wise, I thought he was one of Canada's better players at the world junior championship was, which was a little bit ironic considering that he was barely playing at all. Like I think the most he logged in a single game was like 10 minutes and 50 seconds against Germany. Uh, he was very much a 13th forward on that team Canada and every single shift that I, that I really like z- zeroed in on him on, uh, he was making a positive impact and he scored a couple, uh, or he scored like, like that one very like, like nice goal on the breakaway. And, uh, I thought that he was a pretty solid play that with more ice time would have really made a bigger difference than some of the players that were just getting like de facto 15 plus minutes a night on that team Canada. But, yeah. uh, Wood definitely represents a swing for the fences for Nashville. Like he is intelligent. He does have this like slightly safer floor because of that intelligence, but it is a swing on the raw goal scoring upside here and, and the, the offensive IQ. Absolutely. And then uh, last uh, but not least in our second segment at 16th overall, we've got Samuel Honzek of the Calgary flames Um, with, with Samuel Honzek. um, Obviously there was a huge injury um, at the start of the season. So he only just started playing before the world juniors. He had, he's up to 11 points in nine games right now um, in, in junior and yeah, had a good, but not overwhelmingly great world juniors was one of their key players, but um, wasn't one of their, their marquee ones. You know, obviously there was that top line for, for Slovakia of Philip Meshar, um, Adam Shakora, and uh, Servak Petrovsky, and those were the, really the, the play drivers. But on a second to third line, he was oscillating there with Dalibor Dvorsky. Um, played decent minutes, gave him decent results, and uh, especially early in the in the tournament in his uh, group stage games, you saw uh, you saw Samuel Hanzek was able to make a difference, but um, he's still picking things up slowly but surely and kind of moving forward with his his uh, draft plus one season. And I'm hoping that the the production comes in and uh, and blows us out of the water in this uh, in the second half of the season because he was a player I was really high on in his draft year. Uh, he, he took some time. Uh, um, I wasn't really high on him to start with, but he grew on me and. Uh, yeah, I'm a pretty big fan. 16 is a tiny bit rich, but uh, still good enough. I, I think that he's he's worth a pick here for Calgary. He's going to be a really interesting prospect. But that wraps things up for our second segment. We'll get into our third segment where we talk about picks 17 through 32. Again, it's a selection of these guys. We've chosen um, eight of the of eight of the 16 players left in these uh, in this first round to kind of talk about. Um, and we'll kind of get through those their games, how they're doing, how they're producing. And uh, we'll get into that right after these messages uh, from our sponsors over at Indeed. Indeed. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Uh, Indeed has a bunch of options to get you uh, started on finding the best quality uh, employees for your program as possible. First and foremost, um, it doesn't just help you hire, it helps you hire faster and more accurately. 93% of employers agree that Indeed develops a higher, delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, uh, according to a recent Indeed survey. And Indeed is one of the only platforms where you can schedule, screen, message, all in one uh, platform where you can, hire, uh, pl- you can hire players for your team as fast as possible. Um, Overall, one of the things I love about Indeed and that made hiring at my day job uh, really fast and easy is that um, it's really user-friendly. You can just hop on Indeed, make yourself a, a profile, and, and and search through jobs really easily and accurately. It gives you price ranges, so you don't have to worry about not knowing what your salary is going to be, uh, and a bunch of other options like that. Um, so listeners to the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alrighty, so let's close things off on this uh, first round breakdown of the 2023 NHL draft for the midseason. We'll be talking about picks 17 through 32. We've selected eight of the players from this range to talk about who are having either really good seasons or um, overall have underwhelmed massively. Uh, we'll start off with Axel, Axel Sandin Pelica of the Detroit Red Wings, a, an offensive mobile right-handed defenseman, which is pretty much what every team's looking for, right? And he's having a great season uh, over in the SHL right now. He's not doing bad at all. Like he has nine goals and 13 points in 25 SHL games, which is uh, good. He's almost a, like he's he's not that far under half a goal a game. So yep. uh, that 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 elite level shot for defenseman is certainly already paying some dividends uh, shortly after being drafted. And he's quite clearly the, the best shooter among all defensemen draft eligible last year. So that has continued to be the fact this season. And uh, at the World Juniors, he was playing an instrumental role for Sweden to to get to that gold medal game and and to really fight it out with the USA for the first two periods of that hockey game. Like he was yep. really really key and uh he's he's grown tremendously as a defensive player like the offensive game has been standout for a, a good while now going back to the beginning of last year but uh, the defensive ability has really really come come a ways and like i i know you specifically really were impressed by his defensive performances at the at the recent world juniors yeah absolutely he had a fantastic world juniors on both sides of the puck and axel sending pelica is always going to be an offensive leaning player uh, you see it on the power play. I mean, he has probably the best goal scorer in that tournament to his left, Jonathan Lekarimaki, and he's just rifling pucks on net back to back to back. There's a confidence that comes with his offensive skill set that's really good, but he's translated that confidence to his defensive game really well, and not not to a point where he's taking himself out of plays. He's confident in his ability to step up on players, to get a stick in lanes, to, um, to disrupt play really well. I was really overall very impressed with the defensive upgrades in this game and how he's translated the confidence to that side. Um, but then we go over to 19th overall. We've got the Chicago Blackhawks selecting Oliver Moore um, in that range. And yeah, Oliver Moore was a player I had ranked at, what, 8th overall in his draft year. I was really high on him. I loved his game, and I still do. He's probably the best skater from this class, or almost definitely the best skater in this class. He skates yeah. effortlessly, but also skates with effort. 
if that makes sense. Like, he doesn't need to put in that much work, but he's just pedal to the metal. The effort, the work rate is there on top of the real good skating ability. He's got 17 points in 22 games uh, in the NCAA right now. And yeah, overall, just playing some really good hockey over there. And for a 19th overall pick, that's good production. And uh, yeah, overall, I've been very, very impressed with what I've seen from Oliver Moore in the NCAA. Um, now we skip over to 21st overall. We've got our first uh, underperformer of this first round. Talk me through Charlie Stramel's struggles here for Minnesota at 21st overall. Yeah, it's been, it's been difficult for Charlie Stramel. Like he's not in the in the easiest environment to play in. As, just like last year, like Wisconsin is not the strongest program, uh, but. The drop-off this season has been stark. Uh, last season, it felt like he was the only player on that Wisconsin team that was trying to, to create anything, and the production faltered as a result of that. This season, he's been stuck on the fourth line for certain stretches, and he's only logged six points in 18 games, three goals, three assists, and all three assists came in a single game against Penn State, which is not the strongest program in the NCAA. And uh, it, it has been it has been a rough ride for him. He was also uh, not brought to the World Junior Championship by Team USA, and they brought him last year, which usually teams bring players at that they brought the year before uh, when they're still eligible, and uh, he was an exception to that rule this year. It has been difficult for him. There's definitely still a pathway to the NHL. It's not, it's not all doom and gloom for Charlie Stramel, but... The upside that was there as a D minus one in his NTDP season, where there were some flashes of tremendously impressive playmaking ability, that has now not really been like seen in like the last like almost two years. Yeah. So the high end upside that was kind of there at, at least like below the surface a, a couple years ago with Stramel is certainly fading right now. So we'll see how he keeps progressing this season. The back half of the year is going to be a big one for him uh, to kind of bounce back. And and Minnesota obviously was going to hope for him to be a better defensive player uh, and, and double down the defense, but there's definitely a long road for, for him. For sure. Uh, moving on to 22nd overall, we've got Oliver Bonk of the Philadelphia Flyers. 44 points in 33 games for Oliver Bonk is fairly impressive. I knew there was some offense, you know, beyond just the, the shot from the point. Um, but, you know, since he's been playing on the first power play there for London, it's been ever more clear that he has that offensive skill set to, you know, make plays in transition, to, um, you know, pass the puck along the blue line and find lanes to, to get a shot through accurately, but also with intent, you know, timing his shot with players moving in front, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, overall, he's, he's improved those areas of his game. I still don't really like the breakout game all that much. Um, I, have, I still have a lot of concerns with his decision-making and transition and his ability to to move pucks up the ice. But overall, um, Oliver Bonk has a really good skill set, is really reliable defensively and, and strong in his own zone. Um, if he continues to improve his decision-making, his vision, his scanning habits, all of that, you could really see a path for him on a second pair. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, and then at 23rd overall, we've got Gabe Perot from the New York Rangers, who's just unfair this season in the SAW. He has 30 points in 19 games um, playing on that line with with uh, with Smith and Leonard and has done a fantastic job of driving that line in terms of his ability to find players in transition. He plays give and go off of Will Smith like no one else. He finds Ryan Leonard in soft ice like no one else. It's just it's it's beautiful hockey. I still obviously the skating is a concern. Um, obviously the inside game is a concern, but it's, the playmaking is out of this world, right? 
It is. Like, I think Gabe Perot is certainly convincing a lot of doubters, and, and we are among those uh, this, this season. Uh, and and he's just playing some, like, incredibly impressive hockey where uh, he's really leveraging his high-end intelligence to create advantages with the same ease at the NCAA level that he showed at the NTDP level. So where is he going to hit a wall in terms of, like, levels uh, that, that he moves up? I don't know. It might be the AHL, but that would be really unfortunate for Rangers fans. Yeah. But I think I think you're getting a pretty fun, uh, at the very least, middle six creator out of out of Gabe Perot. Absolutely. Yeah, he's so fun to watch. But then Quentin Musty at 26 overall to the San Jose Sharks. He's got 46 points in 28 games. He's a fantastic player and a player that uh, we had a debate about regarding whether he should be uh, at the uh, at the World Juniors for USA or not. And I mean, they did well without him, but. Oh didn't matter. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it did not matter. But overall, uh, Quentin Musty's fantastic. Still very raw in terms of his decision making, his scanning, his awareness. But the the offensive toolkit is next to none in the OHL right now um, among draft plus ones, except for maybe one or two players. Um, then at twenty eighth overall, the Toronto Maple Leafs selected Easton Cowan, who now has fifty points in twenty eight games uh, in the OHL for the London Knights. And yeah, just. This player is unfair in the OHL. He's he's too good for this level already, um, and yeah, just has he showed at the World Juniors that he could be um, kind of a, an off ice leader. He showed at the World Juniors that he could be a player who does good habits well. Um, but overall, he had a poor tournament. Just the puck wasn't going in. He was creating a lot, but nothing was going in. It was the same for him and Matt Savoy. Same same concern. Both of them just weren't able to find the back of the net, despite doing you know, relatively good things overall in terms of what they were choosing to do on the ice. Um, and then 30th overall to end things off, we have Bradley Nadeau of the Carolina Hurricanes, a player who um, his selection raised some eyebrows on draft day because a lot of people weren't really familiar with this game, but we were. Uh, and to me, it comes as no surprise that he has 27 points in 20 games in the NCAA. Not at all. He is excellent. Extremely dynamic. Carolina uh, drafts very, very well, and this is no exception. Uh, Nadeau has incredible upside. He could be a, a first-line player if everything pans out. The offensive toolkit is really versatile and really impressive. He has a ridiculous shot. He's incredibly intelligent, really starting to layer in delays into his game to, to really maximize space and time at the NCAA level. It's been a very smooth transition for him from the BCHL to the NCAA, which certainly uh, is, is promising for, for Hurricanes fans. And uh, yeah, I don't think Canes fans are going to have to wait too, too long to see him uh, make the transition to pro hockey give it like maybe two years but uh, he's going to be very good very soon absolutely but that wraps things up for today's show thank you very much for tuning in if you're watching on youtube make sure to like and subscribe leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform make sure to make us your first listen of the day for your second listen of the day make sure to check out lock on sports today they got all your news and updates about what's going on around sports uh, and make sure to tune in for our next episode as we break down the the rounds two through seven we've chosen a selection of players doing good in those rounds we'll get into their games fairly soon this has been hattie kalakesh with sebastian high and we hope you Tune in next time.